Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. As always, I'm your host, Thomas. I hope this new week is off to a good start for you. Tonight's story will be read by Simon and was written by Joe. It's the first in a two-part series about a charming family who have a unique perspective on life. The Pocket family are so minuscule in size that they live unnoticed by the humans whose home they occupy. To the Pockets, an ordinary object like a television seems as enormous as a mountain. Very soon, we'll join this charming family, looking on as they navigate a world much larger than they are. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'd like to thank them for their support. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do in certain situations until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. In my experience, therapy can be the key to unlocking a happier and more fulfilling life. It's helped me on numerous occasions to offload things that are troubling me and build a greater understanding of myself and what helps me feel my best. BetterHelp is entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash getsleepy today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash get sleepy. So, let's get comfortably settled in, ready to hear our story. You may already be lying in a position that feels just right for you, but if you need to make any adjustments, there's no harm in doing so. When you're ready, bring your attention to the flow of your breath, in and out of the body. That natural and familiar rhythm that we can count on as our gateway to peace and calm. Just notice the air as it enters the nostrils, feeling that very subtle sensation of coolness on its way in. And then, sense the warmth of the air as it flows back out with the gentle release. Try to breathe in deeply and just hold that nourishing breath 
at your heart's center for a couple of seconds. Then release it back out, warm and soothing. As you inhale and briefly hold the breath at your heart once more, just imagine that air warming within you and bringing comfort to your heart. As you release it, any burdens or troubles can flow out and melt away. Because our breathing is such a natural process, it's easy to take each inhale and exhale for granted. But it's the natural, inherent process of the breath, which also makes it the simplest medicine for our bodies and the easiest gateway to peace and calm. So, continue to breathe deeply, holding the peace as it warms your heart, then letting go of anything disruptive as you exhale. There's nothing else you have to do now, Simply remain aware of your breathing as you relax more and more. While you do, we can begin tonight's story. I'll make way for Simon, as now it's time to meet the pockets. Pocket family are sound asleep on the kitchen windowsill. They're hidden behind boxes piled high on the counters. They've made themselves very comfortable here, among the cloths and cleaning products. Mr. and Mrs. Pocket, known affectionately as Ma and Pa, lie side by side. They're tucked within the folds of a dusting cloth. Ma is snoring, and every time she exhales, the yellow fabric rises in the air. Next to her, Pa sleeps deeply, an expression of peace and contentment on his face. Nearby, the pocket children sleep just as soundly. Both Matilda and Joe have made their beds within the wisps of a feather duster. It's so large and fluffy that it's like sleeping on a cloud. Of course, the family don't usually sleep on the kitchen windowsill 
among cloths and cleaning supplies. For years, they slept in their own secret bedrooms, hidden in an old tissue box at the back of a kitchen cupboard. There, they lived in blissful solitude for many years. They rarely ever glimpsed the elderly couple who owned the place, or indeed, any humans at all. But last month, the moving van arrived. Every cupboard was cleared out, including theirs, as the elderly couple packed everything into cardboard boxes. All of a sudden, the Pocket family had lost their old home. But they weren't too worried. They saw it as an opportunity for adventure and exploration, and an exciting new chapter in their family story. First, they decided, there should be a temporary move to the kitchen windowsill, while the new human family settled in. It was Pa who chose the windowsill. He thought it might be useful to sleep beside the window and be woken by natural daylight in the morning. This way, they would all be awake early, long before the humans. They'd have the house to themselves for a few hours. They could talk and eat freely, and even wash in the kitchen sink. It would also give them time to move into one of their countless tiny hideouts, before the humans were up and about. And that's exactly what the Pockets have been doing over the past month. They've been observing the new homeowners from behind boxes, underneath furniture, and through cracks in the skirting board. Like the previous residents, these new humans are a family of two. They're called the Grangers. There's a mum in her early thirties and a very smiley five-year-old daughter. The Grangers have many friends, kind people who have spent the last month helping to move furniture, paint walls, and unpack various new objects around the house. According to Matilda Pocket, this is proof that the Grangers are nice people. They must be nice to have so many friends willing to help them out. The rest of the Pocket family agrees. They've overheard conversations between the mother and daughter. The Grangers seem to be some of the most kind and gentle humans that the Pockets have ever encountered. At bedtime, the mother sits at the edge of her daughter's bed, reading stories until the girl falls asleep. Then, the mother tucks her into the bedsheets, kisses her forehead, and tiptoes softly out of the room. The pocket children are often a secret audience for these bedtime stories. Matilda and Joe sit comfortably on a nearby shelf, resting against the books. They love to listen to these soothing tales. Then, 
back on the kitchen windowsill, they climb into the cloud-like feather duster and fall asleep. Although the pockets didn't plan their stay on the windowsill, it actually worked out rather well for them. In many ways, the last month has felt like an extended family holiday. The windowsill is the ideal vacation spot. They've dined like royalty on takeaways left on the kitchen counter, and they've enjoyed access to a constant supply of fresh water from the taps. Their bedding may be unconventional, but it's as soft and comfortable as the sheets in any five-star hotel. Ma and Pa have grown particularly fond of their velvety dusting cloth with its scents of lemon and lavender. But they all agree that the best thing about their new home on the windowsill is the reason Pa suggested it in the first place. They love the sheer beauty of the light radiating through the window. It's particularly beautiful now, at dawn, as the sun begins to rise and soft light disperses through the glass. It casts a golden sheen across the family's sleepy faces, warming their skin with its gentle touch. Across the sill, each member of the family begins to stir. They shuffle in their bedding and stretch their arms and legs. Joe is the first to get up. He's the tallest of the bunch. Joe yawns happily, stretching his arms above his head. Then he reaches down towards his toes, feeling the stretch through his back and legs. Finally, he sits down, cross-legged, to admire the sunrise through the kitchen window. It's the kind of moment that anyone would appreciate, watching the sun rising through a clear blue sky. But having spent a lifetime waking in the back of a dark cupboard, Joe particularly appreciates this view. So do the rest of the pockets, who soon come to sit beside him. Recently, this has become their morning ritual. They climb out of bed, sit facing the glass, and look out at the sunrise. Together, they watch as the massive orb of golden light slowly inches upwards in the sky. It gradually reveals the natural beauty at the back of the house. There's a rectangular lawn bordered by rose beds with a stone fountain at its center. Beyond the grass stands a typical wooden shed, painted the same chestnut red as the fence that encloses the space. To human eyes, it seems like an attractive yet ordinary garden. But the tiny people on the windowsill see it differently. 
through their eyes, everything is elevated in size and grandeur. The garden becomes a kingdom, protected by the soaring fences that stretch up towards the sky. The shed is like a massive royal palace, a vision of chestnut-red magnificence shimmering in the sunlight. And in front of the palace, there are the royal gardens. It's a vast landscape of emerald countryside, flanked on either side by rose bushes as tall as trees. They look like an enchanted forest, its canopy sprinkled with ruby-like blooms. It's a spectacular sight. And what stands out above all else is the garden's most recent addition, the ivory fountain at its center. At the top, water spills from the tip of a beautiful stone pineapple, cascading downwards into a large, round basin. This basin allows the water to spill over its sides, flowing into an even larger pool below. It's a feast for the eyes. For the pockets, this splendid fountain looks enormous, like an Egyptian pyramid. This morning, the pockets sit by the window and admire the fountain, meditating on its sound. To human ears, it's a calm, trickling sound. But to the pockets, it's a series of magnificent, gushing waterfalls. The fountain is like their very own Niagara Falls, right outside the window. As the sun rises, patterns of light bounce on the water, resembling sparkling diamonds. The sight is so beautiful that Pa feels inspired. Turning to his wife and children, he says that even after they leave the windowsill, he hopes they'll return here often. Once the sun has risen, the family slip down from the sill one by one, making their way past the kitchen sink. They often have showers in the sink, taking it in turns to climb down the plug chain and stand beneath the dripping tap. There's nothing quite like that cool water to rouse the senses in the morning. But today, they're just passing by. There's no need for an invigorating wash right now. With the prospect of adventure ahead, the pockets are energized and more cheerful than ever. The humans have settled down with their furniture in place and the walls freshly painted. So now it's time for the pockets to explore and find a new place to call home. Over the past few weeks, they've all spent a lot of time thinking about where they might like to live. Each member of the family 
as a preferred place in mind. Ma and Pa are great believers in fairness and equality, so they've decided that each person's choice will be looked at and considered. The location of their next home will be chosen by family vote. The first person to showcase his choice is Pa. This is why he's leading the way now. Protruding from his backpack are two repurposed toothpicks. These are his walking sticks, which are very handy when crossing uneven terrain. The pockets are experienced explorers, so everyone has their own walking sticks and backpacks filled with equipment. These are things collected over the years, repurposed to form an effective adventurer's kit. The pockets rely on these tools whenever they head out. For instance, their climbing ropes are a combination of knotted string, safety pins, and picture hooks. Thanks to these ropes, they've managed to scale every surface, no matter how tall or wide, smooth or rocky. Right now, the pockets resemble a group of expert hikers, but instead of striding through the countryside, they're crossing marble worktops. As they journey through the kitchen, they weave in and out of spice racks and sugar bowls. Then, after traversing the perimeter of the sink, they step onto the electric oven top. It's as smooth as an ice rink, so they hold hands, forming a chain to stay upright. Their movements become smooth and effortless, and they glide across the glassy surface like a professional ice skating team. This feels wonderful, more like flying than walking. Everyone is delighted when Pa turns around at the cooker's edge and leads them back out onto the glass. They twist and twirl, moving so gracefully that you'd think they were one person, not four. All of the pockets beam from ear to ear, even as they leave the cooker and make their way towards Pa's chosen place. They've almost arrived. Now, they pull out the climbing ropes and ascend the microwave, with Pa leading the way. Then, once they're all standing on top of the microwave, Pa throws his rope upwards. It goes up through a rectangular gap in the base of the cupboard above them. Pulling on the rope, Pa checks that the picture hook at the other end is fixed firmly into place. Then he climbs up the rope until he's inside the cupboard and waits for the others to join him. For the rest of the family, this cupboard seems a little unusual. 
It's the first time they've seen one with a giant mechanical device inside it. This is the human's boiler, Pa tells them. It provides the heat that keeps the house nice and warm. He leads them behind the machine to a spot where balls of cotton wool have been laid out like a sofa and chairs. At Pa's suggestion, the family sit down, their tiny bodies sinking into the snug fabric of the cotton wool. Instantly, they're struck by the coziness of this place and the blanket of warm air around the boiler. It's a lovely, relaxing spot. The kind of place where one might sit and read a book, especially on days when it's cold and wet outside. When Pa brings out a tray of tiny foil mugs filled with hot chocolate, it feels even more like home. As he serves them out, he explains that all it takes is a speck of cocoa dust, a drop of water from the nearby tap, and a minute beside the boiler. Then there's enough hot chocolate for the whole family. The pockets are impressed. The hot chocolate tastes so utterly delicious. It's creamy and milky, combining the flavors of luxurious dark chocolate with a hint of sweet mint. And they're excited about the place, too, picturing what it might become once decorated and furnished. They imagine nights full of chit-chat and comfort and this luxurious hot cocoa. And in the morning, they can climb down into the kitchen, making a beeline for the windowsill and its spectacular view. How wonderful it would be, sitting together every morning to admire the beauty of the waking world. The whole family are enthralled by this warm and cosy space. But once the cups are empty, they're ready to journey on. Ma leads the group now. She throws the climbing rope downwards, catching the hook on the leg of a kitchen chair. Using a toothpick, she secures herself to the rope. Then, with her arms raised and a look of childlike mischief on her face, she zip-wires down the rope. She lands effortlessly on the kitchen floor. The rest of the family soon follow. They all smile as they glide down, exhilarated by the ride. Then they walk on across the smooth floor and below the towering height of the kitchen table. Soon they arrive at a huge wooden sideboard. This is a new piece of furniture bought by the Grangers. It's a beautiful light pine that perfectly matches the table and chairs beside it. The sideboard adds a much-needed touch of brightness to the room. Below, 
There are three cupboards, their doors panelled with frosted glass. Ma explains that the middle cupboard is their destination. Then she plants her toothpick down into the floor and vaults forward through the air, disappearing through a gap in the cupboard door. The other pockets follow her lead until the entire family are standing inside. Led by Ma, they weave their way around mountains of fine bone china. There are plates, bowls, teacups and saucers. Some are so smooth and delicate that they're surely reserved for special occasions only. And some of the plates are decorated with hand-painted artwork of such beauty that Ma thinks they belong in a museum or gallery. Other items are plain in design, like the mounds of teacups. Their curved surfaces are so well polished that they're like mirrors. Matilda is particularly amused by her reflection. She's also surprised by how much she looks like a real explorer. Seeing herself like this, she feels quite proud, both of herself and her family. Matilda also feels a little braver than she felt before. Although she's the youngest and smallest in the family, she feels she can stand and walk a bit taller now with the confidence of an intrepid adventurer. This moment is just one of many happy surprises for Matilda. As she turns a corner and reaches the back of the shelf, a table comes into view. Ma has prepared everything. The table itself is made from a single bottle top, and on its surface sits a giant loop of cereal. It's a breakfast unlike any the Pockets have seen before. This single piece of cereal looks like a giant donut of chocolatey, honey-sweet loveliness. And it's so large, it could feed the Pockets for a fortnight. As they look on in wonder, Ma explains her discovery. It seems that the little human girl eats cereal for breakfast every day. She always eats in the chair right beside this cupboard. And, as she's rather a messy eater, she scatters morsels of delicious food everywhere. So, right beside this cupboard, there is an endless supply of delicious food. And not only at breakfast time, but at lunch and dinner too. The pockets sit down around the table, their bellies rumbling at the sight and smell of the food. Then, without another word, they all tuck in, savouring the taste of the sweet, crunchy cereal. I think we could be very happy here, declares Matilda, 
as she chews the last of her cereal. And it's much lighter than the last cupboard, says Pa. The others nod in agreement. The family relax, feeling utterly satisfied after their sweet, hearty breakfast. Once more, they begin to daydream, picturing what it might be like to live here. Though it's not as warm as Pa's spot in the boiler cupboard, it feels just as comfortable and homely in here. And the thought of eating food like this each and every day is very tempting indeed. Joe could almost move in right now. But later, when the pockets have left the cupboard, Joe remembers that it's his turn to act as group leader. He springs into action, leading the group back across the kitchen floor. Daylight fills the kitchen now. It's mellow and golden like the light at sunrise, but visibly brighter. In some places, the floor is speckled with patterns of sunshine, reflected through the window. The family walk through one such pattern, finding themselves suddenly awash in gorgeous, powerful sunlight. Beneath their feet, the beige floor becomes sand-like in appearance. And in the background, they can hear the ever-flowing water of the fountain outside, which sounds like the waves of a vast ocean. It's as if the family have been transported thousands of miles away to some exotic beach destination. Indeed, by the time they exit this tropical little spot, the tiny family are positively glowing. As they prepare to traverse the fluffy hallway carpet, their moods are carefree and relaxed. Perhaps this is why their walk over the creamy carpet feels so effortless. But even so, it's a rather lengthy journey and not the easiest of terrains to cross. It's times like these that the family are especially grateful to be together. They all hold hands as they walk among the thick, velvety carpet fibres, supporting each other just as they did before. This particular carpet has only recently been laid, and it's the family's first crossing. Ma is simply awestruck at its softness and bounciness. And everyone appreciates that new carpet smell. It stays with them all throughout their journey, lingering on their clothes as they step through another open doorway and into the living room. Of all the rooms in the house, this one is perhaps the most altered by the new homeowners. Gone is the burgundy carpet that Ma never liked, and in its place is a floor of polished mahogany. The old wallpaper has been replaced with sun-soaked terracotta paint. 
Framed artwork decorates the walls, displaying scenes from nature. Next to them are simpler pieces, most likely drawn by the Granger child. In the middle of the room sits a massive leather sofa. It's a comfy spot for viewing the TV that's directly opposite. Raised high on the wall, this is without a doubt the biggest screen that the family have ever encountered. Matilda gasps at the sight of it, while her parents chuckle quietly. It's hardly surprising that their son would choose such a place. Living beside a giant cinema screen would be a dream come true for Joe. But as the family follow Joe across the glossy floorboards, then up onto the coffee table, they soon realise that their assumptions are wrong. Joe isn't leading them to the sofa, to a crevice in the cushions which offers a view of the screen. Instead, he takes them across the coffee table to a site far more impressive than the television. There, in the centre of the table, sits a large rectangular fish tank, teeming with life. Joe beams. He looks like a proud treasure hunter showing off his findings. Then he strolls across the table towards the tank and invites his family to sit down within the indentation of a decorative panel on the table. It's a great spot for the pockets. This little space is deep enough for them to remain hidden and slanted at the perfect angle to take in the tank. As the family sit side by side, they examine the marine and plant life in the vast aquarium. There are chunks of driftwood twisting beautifully in different directions, with fish of every colour fluttering through the branches. Even the tiniest fish seem enormous, and each one has its own unique mixture of colours and patterns. One fish in particular is a striking shade of red and has large, petal-like fins. Joe explains that he has named this fish Rose. In part, this is because of her colour, which is the same ruby red as the roses in the garden. And the way she moves also reminds him of rose petals. Her movements are so smooth and flowing, she's like a petal floating through the water. For the third time today, the family are impressed. They all think it might be quite marvellous to move to such a place. Pa, in particular, has often dreamt of living beside the water. If they moved here, the family would have their own private ocean, a source of constant beauty and entertainment. And besides, it wouldn't be so difficult 
to set up their furniture beneath the nearby sofa leg, or perhaps in one of the table drawers below. But Pa is soon pulled from his daydreams. Matilda stands up, ready to show off her own pick of locations before the family cast their votes. Striding forward with confidence, she abseils down the coffee table, landing softly on the smooth mahogany floor. Then she turns, though not towards the hallway as the others expect. Instead, she guides the family further into the living room. They go past the coffee table and around the back of the sofa. Only Matilda has visited this spot, which is why she can't resist looking back at her family to flash a knowing smile. As she knows what is just around the corner, she finds it difficult to contain her delight. And very soon, the rest of her family are equally delighted. Right there, against the living room wall, is the little girl's dollhouse. It's so tall that its roof nearly reaches the arm of the sofa. The dollhouse opens out to reveal three floors of various rooms connected by stairs at each level and a lift at the side. There's a kitchen and living room on the ground floor and a dining room and bathroom above. On the top floor, there are the bedrooms. One is larger, with a double bed at its center. And there are also two smaller rooms with single beds. Like every room in the house, the bedrooms are beautifully decorated and furnished with the most modern and stylish pieces. For some time, the pockets stand here in silence, taking in the sight of this wonderful mansion. Like the other places they've seen in their travels today, it feels like home. But this place actually looks like home too. There's no longer any need to imagine furniture and decor because it already looks better than anything they could have planned. It's a dream come true to each and every one of them. So it's no surprise that Matilda's pick wins the vote. The pockets decide on the dollhouse even before Matilda points out the tiny remote-controlled car parked beside the house. They can use this to travel everywhere, revisiting the places they've seen today, as well as plenty of new destinations. Whenever the mood strikes, they might visit the fish tank or the fountain, or stop to sunbathe on the kitchen floor. They can fill the car boot with cereal loops, cocoa, and various other delicacies before returning home to their very own dining room. 
and when it's time to go to sleep, Matilda and Joe can climb into their very own beds. Here, they'll listen to a soothing bedtime story read by their parents. And then, when Matilda and Joe are fast asleep, Ma and Pa will tiptoe out of the room, leaving the children to dream of new adventures. <laughs> 